If you would turn to John 4.35 for my opening verse. This is the words of Jesus. Say not ye, there are yet four months, then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. The Bible compares God's people to grain, seeds sown in the earth. So the title of my lesson is, Are You Good Grain? The greatest comparison of and about grain are the parables of Jesus. And the first one I'd like to look at is the parable of the tares, which is Matthew 13, 24 through 30. And another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in a time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now this parable takes us back to creation and the fall. God created the earth and planted Adam in the Garden of Eden. Adam was the good seed planted in the good earth. But when Adam slept, the enemy, Satan, came in and sowed bad seed into the earth. Think about it. That bad seed is physical. It's his children, children of the devil. And the servants mentioned in this parable are the, the angels of God. Both the wheat and the weeds will have to grow together in the earth until the day of reaping, the judgment day. By growing together, some of the attributes of the bad seed can affect the good seed. And that is the temptation to sin. So we are all GMO seed. We're contaminated with the ability to sin from our father Adam. When the judgment day comes and the harvest occurs, then the chaff and the weeds and the contamination will be burnt in the lake of fire. But the good grain will be brought into the granary, the kingdom of God. Now John the Baptist had this to say about Jesus. This is in Matthew 3, verse 12. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Grain had to be cleaned by fanning, or they threw it into the wind to purge the chaff from it. God does not want dirty grain covered in sin 
in his granary. He wants clean grain with no chaff. He wants his people to be cleansed of their sin. And only Jesus Christ alone can thoroughly purge us of our sins. Now there are many different words used to describe grain or grain products in the Bible. Since Israel was an agrarian society, grain was an important part of their diets. A poor grain harvest would lead to famine in the land. Words like flour, meat, meal, bread, cakes, wafers, and corn all refer to grain and grain products. Some of these were used as offerings to God, as is commanded in the law. And there were many different kinds of grain planted and used for food. Amen. Isaiah 28, verses 23 to through 25 says, Give ye ear, and hear my voice. Hearken, and hear my speech. Doth the plowman plow all day to sow? Doth he open and break the clods of his ground? When he hath made plain the face thereof, doth he not cast abroad the fitches, and scatter the cumin, and cast in the principal wheat, and the appointed barley, and the rye in their place? Ezekiel in Ezekiel 4.9 was told to take certain grains with him. And that verse says, Take thou also unto thee wheat and barley and beans and lentils and millet and fitches and put them in one vessel and make thee bread thereof according to the number of the days that thou shalt lie upon thy side. Three hundred and ninety days shalt thou eat thereof. Ezekiel was commanded to take all these grains when he was depicting the siege of Jerusalem. And he had to measure out carefully all of these grains to eat thereof. Now all of these verses that I just mentioned show the different types of grain that were planted in ancient Israel. The principal grains were barley, wheat, and rye. Fitches are what we would know as spelt, which is an ancient grain not commonly used today. And cumin was used as a spice or a condiment. Millet, beans, and lentils were also grown. Now did you notice that Isaiah talks about casting the seeds in their place? And this is in keeping with the law. Leviticus 19.19 Ye shall keep my statutes. Thou shalt not let thy cattle gender with a diverse kind. Thou shalt not sow thy field with mingled seed. Neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen come upon thee. And also Deuteronomy 22.9. Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with diverse seeds. Lest the fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled. Seed was not to be mingled. It was to be kept separate. To keep your seed pure, you planted it in separate plots or fields. Planting it in its own place was following the law of kind after kind. If you want to be good grain, you need to follow this principle and teach it to your children, and they need to teach it to their children to keep your seed pure. Do not plant your oats in a foreign field it will yield wild oats. Amen. 
Now, one of the principles of growing good grain or any crop or garden is proper soil preparation. Proper tillage is important. My father always said that even a poor job of plowing in the fall was better than a good job of plowing in the spring. Even if planted by no-till planters, the soil is prepared in the seed zone by a, uh, a disc or a coulter or a shovel. These verses that I read previously talk about breaking fallow ground, and, and so do these that I'm, just, I'm going to read now. Jeremiah 4.3 For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Hosea 10.12 says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. So if you want to be good grain, the fallow ground needs to be broken. That means digging out the sin of your life. Sin is the weeds, briars, and thorns that reduce the crop yield in your life. Yes. If you want to be for corn, you have to be against weeds. So if you are are going to be part of the good grain, you need to dig up and root out the sin in your life. Amen. Now this takes us to another parable of Jesus. That's the parable of the sower, which is recorded in our Bibles in Matthew 13, 3 through 23, Mark 4, 3 through 20, and Luke 8, 4 through 15. And that's where we will go. Luke 8, 4 through 15. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts. Lest they, be, they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they, which when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and the pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Matthew gives this interpretation of the same parable in Matthew 13, 18 through 23. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. 
When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not written himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed with among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. But he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. This parable refers to the soil of our hearts. Where the seed is sown determines how well the seed grows, develops, and produces. If someone in a public place overhears a conversation about the gospel of the kingdom, the distractions of this world snatch it away before he can think about it. If the seed falls on the road, it gets run down, cracked and broken, and is only good for the birds. If the seed is sown on rocky ground or in the brambles, there is no place to take root, or the briars block the sunlight. If you're trying to grow in the word of God, but are surrounded by those who despise anything to do with God, you will be offended, persecuted, and the truth will get choked. The cares of this world and the company you keep will affect you. Amen. Only in good ground can you get good grain. You can't sink your roots deep in the concrete of a major city. There's a country song that's playing right now that says you should buy dirt and quit chasing the dollar. If you want to sink your roots deep, you need to be in the country and better yet, have a church where you can dig deep in the fertile soil of the word of God. Only then can you flourish and produce a good crop. The corporate world, with its focus on climate change, political correctness, DEI, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion, transgenderism, and wokeism is not a good place to grow. It is a bad seed planted in poor soil. It will not lead to a good harvest. Look at the harvest that Target, Bud Light, Gillette, Braun, and Liberty Safe are reaping. The corporate world says, if, and most people say this, if you go woke, you go broke. Yeah, that's true. If you are living in the world and care only about your investment portfolio, these verses may apply to your life. Hosea 8, 7. For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It hath no stock. The bud shall yield no meal. If so be it yield, the stranger shall swallow it up. Haggai 1.6 Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Ecclesiastes 11.4 He that observeth the wind shall not sow, 
and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. How many people hold their wet finger in the air to see which way the wind is blowing before making a decision? Most liberals and politicians do this, and look how well that country is doing now because of them. How many people do you know who don't want to have children because of how bad the world is? Or young men who do not want to marry, they are wasting their seed and will have a bitter harvest. Jeremiah 12, 13 says, They have sown wheat, but shall reap thorns. They have put themselves to pain, but shall not profit. And they shall be ashamed of your revenues because of the fierce anger of the Lord. We, on the other hand, have made the decision to be here, making a sacrifice to keep the feast instead of taking vacations elsewhere. Pentecost is the first fruits, which is the first harvest of our gardens. And Tabernacles is the fall harvest festival when the main spiritual crop is brought in. We are trying to keep the word of God, hoping for a good harvest. And we will receive it if we remain faithful. Exodus 23, 16 says... And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, which is in the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. And Deuteronomy 16, 13. Thou shalt observe the feast of tabernacles seven days. After that, thou hast gathered in thy corn and thy wine. Making a trip to a feast for some of us requires planning and budgeting, and the expenses can be a burden, but the blessings outweigh the burdens. Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6 say, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Making the effort is important and having the faith that God will see you through. You know, there's been times when I've made the trip and we've had vehicle breakdowns. You know, starter went out at a McDonald's. You know, things happen, but we have made it. And the blessings outweigh the hazards and the breakdowns that have occurred. Mark 4, uh, 26 and 29 talks about the harvest. And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. Grain throughout history was harvest, harvested by hand with a sickle or a sigh. The reaper then tied the grain into bundles called sheaves. Now one of the laws regarding harvesting had to do with charity and providing for the poor. 
It is called the law of gleaning. Leviticus 19.9. And when ye reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest. In Deuteronomy 24.19. When thou cuttest down thine harvest in the field and hast forgot a sheaf in the field, thou shalt not go again to fetch it. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hands. The reapers were to leave the corners unharvested, and if they dropped grain while they were making the sheaves, they were not to pick it up again. If they went through the field gathering the sheaves and missed some, they could not go back to get them. It was for the poor, orphans, and widows, that they would have food. And this is best described in the book of Ruth. Ruth 2, verses 2 and 3. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. That was Naomi's deceased husband. And turning to verse 7 of chapter 2. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. This is when Boaz asked who this lady was and the overseer was explaining the situation. And verse 17 and 18 of chapter 2. So she gleaned in the field until even and beat out that she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. And she brought forth and gave it to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. She had leftovers from the meal. Now Ruth went after the reapers and picked up what was dropped or missed. She worked all day and had about an ephah of grain after threshing the heads of grain that she had picked up. An ephah is about six gallons. She spent the whole day bent over looking for dropped heads and kernels of grain on the ground, would you have the patience to work all day for a, a, a five-gallon bucket full of grain? Just think about it. The grain sheaves were then gathered from the field and then taken to the threshing floor. Now this was an area of flat, hard ground or bare rock or even a platform of planks where the sheaves would be laid out. The sheaves were beaten with flails or rods or oxen were led back and forth over them to knock the grain from the heads. The grain needed to be beaten to get it separated from the stems, hulls, and husks. Even good grain is beaten. As Christians and Israelites, God will chastise us with the rod of correction to purge the sin out of our lives and lead us back to Christ. The trials we face in life and how we respond to them determine how good our grain is. There were even ordinances regarding the care of the animals that were used to tread out the grain. 
Deuteronomy 25.4 says, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox when he treadeth out the corn. And Isaiah 30.23 and 24 says, Then shall he give the rain of thy seed, that thou shalt sow the ground withal, and bread of the increase of the earth, and it shall be fat and plenteous. In that day shall thy cattle feed in large pastures. The oxen likewise and the young asses that ear the ground shall eat clean provender, which, which hath been winnowed with the shovel and with the fan. The oxen were allowed to eat of the grain that they helped plant, till, and or thresh. You don't feed your cattle the chaff. After the grain was threshed or winnowed or fanned to blow the chaff out of the grain. So on a breezy day, the grain was thrown into the air with a shovel and the chaff would blow away while the grain being heavier would fall down. After the chaff was blown away, then the grain would be cleaned with a sieve or a screen to get rid of the fine dirt. Amos 9.9 says, For lo, I will command, and I will sift the house of Israel among all nations, like as corn is sifted in a sieve, yet shall not the least grain fall upon the earth. Because of Israel's sin and rebellion, God sifted Israel into all the nations of the world. The lost sheep of the house of Israel were spread all over the earth. But God will not lose even one kernel, not even the smallest grain, if they are good grain. Now, in my past job as a mechanic, I worked on Gleaner Combines, which were named after a famous French painting called The Gleaners, based on the story of Ruth. One of the customers I did work for was the Van Treek Seed Farm of Sheboygan Falls, Wisconsin. They grew certified seed. And all combines have grain loss charts that help you calculate your grain loss by counting the number of seeds in a square foot on the ground after the combine is passed. And I had calculated the loss behind his machine was around a half bushel per acre. That was not good enough for him. Because as a certified seed oats dealer, he wanted every seed. He said that every seed, even the light ones, have potential of growing. So I had to add reverse bars to the combine cylinder, which slows the flow of material through the machine to allow more time to separate out the grain from the straw. Which really chewed up the straw. And we kept the wind down on the cleaning shoe so that it would not blow the seeds off the shoe at the back of the machine. His grain bin was the dirtiest grain bin I ever saw on a combine. But he didn't care. He, he didn't care. He wanted every seed. And he did not want to see a green stripe sprouting up after the harvest in his fields where the combine ran. He had a two-story gravity grain cleaner in his grain handling facility where he did his bagging of his seed. And when he was done, he would end up with wagonfuls of chaff, which he disposed of. 
Now the point I'm trying to make is that every grain has the potential of, of bringing forth abundantly. Every seed has life in it. Even the smallest seed has the capability of bringing forth 30, 60, or 100 fold. But if you want to be good grain, you need to get into the good ground and be rooted in God's word. As Christians, we need to be heavy with the word of God, or we will be light and could be blown out with the chaff. Now, when a seed is planted, it dies to bring forth new life. And, and uh, if, we're going to go to John 12, verse 24, which says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. We need to die to ourselves, and we need to yield to Christ if we want to be good grain. That means being born again, to be a new creation. Anyone who does not yield to Christ is corrupt seed, or is as the grass and flowers that dry up and blow away. 1 Peter 1, 23-25 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower falleth, thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Planting seed in the ground is like burying the dead. The seed sprouts and grows, and there shall come a day when the dead shall rise into new life. The old man, the carnal man, needs to die, that the new man may come forth in Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 35 through 38. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain. It may chance of wheat or some other grain. But God giveth the body as it hath pleased him, to every seed his own body. The seed needs to die to be able to bring forth. And if you die to yourself and grow in Christ, God will provide a resurrected or translated body for all of us. 1 Corinthians 15, 41 through 44. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Our mortal seed is corrupt.
but spiritual seed of the good grain will be raised into eternal life, bringing forth abundantly. Good grain will be mature and fully ripe. Job says this in Job 5.26, Thou shalt come to thy grave in a full age, like as a shock of corn cometh in his season. This, this verse talks about going to your grave like a shock of grain in its season. None of us know how long we have to live. God determines our growing season. Will we be ripe and mature when the harvest comes? Are you growing in the Lord? Are you maturing and ripening in your faith? Or are you a shriveled grain kernel easily blown away with the chaff? Or fat, plump grain able to withstand the wind? Are you producing abundantly? Are you ready to be harvested? Are you the good grain? Thank you and let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the words you've given us in the scriptures about grain and how the people are like grain. Heavenly Father, purge us of that original sin that Adam gave us. Purge us of the sins that we commit. Help us, Father, to grow in our faith, to be plump seeds, to be worthy of being harvested in that day when the reaper comes. And I pray, Father, that you would bless your people, that we would all produce abundantly, and that we would be called into that, that granary called your kingdom. I ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.